You are listening to Metrics and Chill, a podcast about business metrics and the interesting ways that people improve them. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Metrics and Chill. Today, my guest is Steph Donnelly. She's the head of content and communications at Zapier. And uh, I pronounced Zapier wrong for many years, Steph, by the way. I call it Zapier, which is, I think, how many people always pronounce it. So maybe you could set the record for us straight here. I think it's Zapier, right? Zapier makes Zapier, you happier. Zapier is right. Yeah, it's Zapier makes you happier. Although we've also heard Zapier, <laughs> like Perrier, Ooh, which is okay. kind of a more creative Bougie. one. Bougie. Bougie, yeah. yeah. Definitely bougie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Steph, welcome to the show. It's great to, to finally have you on, on here. I know we've been coordinating for a couple weeks now, so it's great to have you on. Yeah, thanks so much, John. Excited to be on here. And maybe for like the one or two people listening who might not know who Zapier is or like what it does, give us like the, the quick one-liner on what Zapier actually does. Yeah, absolutely. So Zapier is a tool and we connect 3,000 apps together and it automates work for you. So Let's say that you want to connect um, Gmail to Trello to manage a project, or you want to notify your team in Slack about some new leads that have come in through HubSpot or something like that. We've got you covered. And so it's a freemium product. And then from there, people can start paying based on how many tasks they want to use and how much they want to use it. And so our audience is mostly small and medium businesses. Right. That, yeah, that would make sense. And also life hack. Databox has a great integration with Zapier that basically allows you to pull metrics from m most any tool that your business is using, even ones that Databox might not natively integrate with. So Zapier is like a, uh, a cheat code, really, for pulling in all your data into Databox. So Steph uh, is coming on the show today to talk about activations. And um, just to define activations before we get into it, Steph... This isn't just like pay, you know, unpaid to paid. Tell us what activations actually means for Zapier. Yeah, for sure. It's got a broader definition at Zapier. So for us, the way that we look at an activation is anybody who sets up a Zap. And so that could be a free user. That could be a paid user. Um, we're able to obviously add a filter to see what kinds of things drive an activation for paid users versus um, versus free users. And so what I'm going to chat about today is how our content has influenced activations. What type of, like, are you able to share, like, w what percentage of people usually do turn on a zap, right? Like, right away, or, or like, what percentage don't that, uh, you know, maybe some of these initiatives target to, to get them to set up a zap? You know, so I don't have that number in front of me. I can get back to you on that later. But we basically look for people being able to set up a zap within their first 14 days. 14 and then days. from there and from there we look at, you know, what influence like a, somebody's turning on a zap from there on. Um, there's a lot of things we can do in the product with like marketing campaigns and then right. um, like I mentioned our content that can help kind of speed that up or just get people to turn on another zap. Right, right. Yeah, I can't wait to hear how the content influences that. Um, so first question I always ask is like why and this seems like an obvious question, but why was this a priority specifically, right? There's a lot of things as a content team, as a marketing team, as an organization in general that you can focus on to try to improve the customer experience. Why activation specifically? Yeah, for sure. This one, this one speaks really um, closely to Zapier's mission. So Zapier's mission is to democratize automation. And part of that means making automation really accessible and making it um, approachable for people. And so that also means 
you know, is it easy and is it not scary to set up a ZAP, which is why we wanted to make that um, a metric that we focused on. Right. That makes sense. So not only, right, there's obviously business value to improving activation, right? You're getting more people using the product, more people using the product on the free plan might end up paying for it. But for for the company as a whole, it's more so ties to a mission too, right? If mm-hmm. activations is low, that could be a signal that it's maybe a little tricky to turn on a zap or it's a little too technical or some people aren't getting it. And that kind of goes against your mission, which is to democratize democratize uh, automation, which which makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so talk about really interested in, in geeking out about the content piece of this because obviously when people think of activation rates people tend to think right like product-led that triggers that you do in the app um, mm-hmm. email campaigns n- nurturing sequences things like that um, with all of which content could play a role in but tell us about how you actually went about from a content standpoint improving activations yeah for sure let me let me just back up real quick and talk about content's role um, in how we influence activations because Zapier for many of those who have not tried it before is a self-service product So our users and our readers like the people who consume our content basically they they self-educate They like to choose their own journey and they basically look at our content and look for inspiration They look for like instructions on how to do something and then they look for those tutorials to actually figure out how to set up a zap Once they're ready sure. and so we play a big role there just because Zapier does not have a sales team so, you know, we, we try to make sure that we are guiding people in the right way and that we are guiding people once they are ready to actually turn on these apps. So one of the ways that we've um, impacted activations is, you know, we basically had a whole category of content like around education um, and around automation that we really didn't build out. Like we, we didn't build out that library um, until the last year, basically. And so that's what like we would probably refer to as more kind of mid-funnel content where we start to introduce automation as a solution to problems and then also subtly start to bring in Zapier as a solution to these problems too. So we have articles out there that are about how to you know, set up your e-commerce store with automation, how to kind of get control of your calendar with automation. And one of the ways that we build activation through um, our content is in is basically embedding these widgets into more of our articles. They are like basically, we call them zap templates, but they're basically like a preloaded zap sure. that we embed into the content. And it's got a little button that says set up zap. So if you're reading this, you're inspired and you're like, God, I could totally use something like that. There's a button where you can um, well, you can set up that zap right away. It's not, it doesn't feel like a outright ad for Zapier, but it's a way, it's a less intrusive way to start introducing, um, you know, a solution through Zapier into that content. And since we have, you know, since we basically built out those, those widgets and we've started putting them in more of this mid funnel content, we've seen the activations grow and we've seen people go directly into the product. Um, coming from these articles, which has been really fun to see in the last year. So this is, a, it's essentially a preloaded zap. Do they have to actually set anything? Obviously they have to connect um, the the actual source, but do they have, they don't have to set up any of the automation parameters that's all preloaded basically? Yeah, this is assuming that you've already, I mean, 
If you haven't signed up for an account, it'll push you to a sign up. And then the next place it'll take you is to set up this app. And you, of course, have to authorize um, permissions with each of these apps just because um, that's just generally how it works in order to bring the data from one place to another. Right. But, you know, let's say you already had a Zapier account, whether you were free or paid, you could very easily set up that Zap. Right. Right. And so you're going through and basically building out a library of articles that cover, I mean, I mean, there's, there's seemingly endless use cases, right, that you can write about. Um, but you're writing about, I would assume you're starting with ones that tend to be more popular, have higher search volume, or mm -hmm. ones that maybe convert uh, to paying. Um, and then you're embedding these set up zap sort of template uh, CTAs in all of these blog posts. How do you, like, what's been your process for actually determining where to start in terms of articles, right? There's, especially with Zapier, I could I could sort of empathize with this because Databox is a product. We have over 70 integrations. There's so many things we can write about, so many different integrations and tools. Zapier, I mean, I mean, you can multiply that um, tenfold. So how do, how do you determine which, where to start in terms of building out that library of articles? Yeah, for sure. So we have, we've had the Zapier blog for quite a while and the blog traditionally was very focused on top of funnel content. Um, and obviously it was a very big driver for organic search. So people would come to the Zapier blog because they wanted to find, we have these lists of best apps. So like the best email apps, best to do apps, so on and so forth. Um, and, but then we were seeing really high exit rates from that kind of content. So people were just kind of reading the the stuff on the blog, then they would bounce. They right. wouldn't really go much deeper. And so the first place that we looked was to go a step deeper from those from that and start talking about these apps or the types of apps that we mentioned in those best app roundups and just go a little bit deeper and talk about like, okay, what could you automate with this type of app? And like, what are some ideas um, that you can think of there? It just, you know, I think that what, what's really nice about our top of funnel content is it like it brings us into a broader discussion about how people could use apps at work and become more productive. Right. But then building out this library on automation focused content really helped us talk about how you could use automation to become more productive. And then here's how you could actually try it out. And you shared some examples with me and I'm actually looking at one right now. So this one is actually a little more general, like the actual title of the post rather than specific to a tool. Four ways to fight work burnout with automation. Mm -hmm. And in it, there's, geez, three, six, five, yeah, there's there's over a dozen, uh, maybe even close to 20 actual zaps in here that you can set up, use this zap. And it looks like it's everything from set a Slack status on automatic daily schedule, create new status updates in Slack with Microsoft uh, Outlook calendar updates, enable Philips Hue scenes to turn on at set times. So you got I mean, Philips you know, Hue. Who, who, who couldn't use that, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you have you have lighting, you have Slack, you have Google Calendar, Google Hangouts, Microsoft Outlook, uh, Microsoft Teams, uh, text message. So you have a bunch of different tools basically in Zaps bucketed into this one article about four ways to fight work burnout with automation. Um, and that's that's super clever, right? Because now you're you're sort of embedding a bunch of different tools in one post. Um and you shared another one as well. This one about automating career, always be networking, four ways to automate your connections. And again, this one, and we'll we'll put the links in the actual blog post so people here can see examples of these because these are great. Uh, greet new Google contacts with an email from Gmail. It's a good one. Send emails to new contacts in Microsoft Outlook. 
create draft emails to send on a schedule in Gmail. So again, obviously very, this one is Gmail and Outlook focused. So that's, I mean, these, these are two really good examples of like a broader topic. And then you're, you're sort of introducing uh, zaps that use multiple tools into this broader topic. So um, obviously this, this seems like it works well. You're kind of going after more general longer tail keywords there. Do you, mm-hmm. does it also work? Like, do you also get super specific and say like X Gmail automations like you should mm-hmm. be running right yeah. now too? Yeah. Yeah, we do. And I'm happy to share some examples after this as well, because we do, we do create that sort of stuff for our most popular apps as right. well as use cases. So I can share that. Um, but what I just wanted to comment on was, you know, for the two that I have shared that feel a little more general, but still start to introduce automation, we do see a mindset gap in um, folks that like have heard of Zapier or have heard of a tool like Zapier and actually getting it set up and figuring out how they can make it work for them. So that's why we started investing in this type of article, um, kind of inspire people to think a little bit differently about how they'd solve a problem, right. um, recognize that the work is actually pretty repetitive and pretty manual, and then right. figure out like how the product could help from there. Right. And which ones tend to perform best from like a from an SEO standpoint, these more general ones, I would assume the, the keyword difficulty is much higher. Granted, Zapier uh, has probably a pretty decent domain authority at this at this point. You mm-hmm. could probably rank for close to, to anything that you want fairly quickly. Um, so the more general ones probably have a little more keyword difficulty. The more tool-specific ones might not have as much. So like which ones have uh, tend to be more successful from like an SEO standpoint and organic yeah. traffic? Yeah, so for this type of content, anything on Google um, and G Suite tend to perform really well for us. Okay. And then another, a really, the most popular use case that we've seen so far is really about like lead management um, and how to use automation for that. Because I think that, you know, there's lots of lean marketing teams out there who just kind of want, you. they may not have access to an engineer to help them with, sure. with these sorts of integrations. So those tend to, those tend to get a lot of traffic for us as well. Great. So this is like, I really like this initiative. It's it's actually giving me inspiration. We do something similar on Databox where we'll embed templates in a blog post. Like if the blog post is talking about Google Analytics metrics that marketing teams should be tracking, right? We'll embed like a, a plug and play template that they can click and download and not have to set anything up themselves besides connecting the actual data source. But this is actually giving me more inspiration too. I, I like the, I just like the use this zap, um, the actionable verbiage you're using on the uh on the ctas um and it's like it's very simple um the the i i really like the the bit of copy too like create new google contacts with an email from gmail like really quick i know from experience too like we had to write dozens probably hundreds of these when we were we were uh beefing up our integration with zapier and so like i remember proofing these in a spreadsheet and and like trying to keep it like to to less than 10 words and have like a really actionable um bit of copy there to describe what the automation was but I, I just love how it's presented in these blog posts um it's subtle but it's also noticeable if that makes sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah the the point was to have them be like a really non-intrusive call to action right right and so when did you start introducing this tactic so we really started building out these types of articles um, in 2020, early 2020. Okay. And so since we've done that, the um, 
you know, we just looked at how they performed year over year. And so our, our numbers are kind of crazy. So we grew 400% in signups <laughs> year over year, which like, I mean, you do have to keep in mind, we had nothing before that. So 400% is reflective of just having a library of these things. Is this from the blog? Before. So the, the, is that 400? Just, yeah, this is just from the blog. So the 400% year on year increase in signups coming from content, coming from the blog. Coming from this this type of content with the um, Zap, like in, use this Zap widget, um, and we also saw a four hundred percent increase in activations, which is the number, the metric that we're talking about today. Wow! So, what was I know you said before the content was a little more general tools, top tools, top, uh, you know, th- those kind of posts. What was the was was there a call to action to sign up? Like, you know, you didn't have to use this Zap. What was like the difference? What what kind of CTA did you have there? Was there any activation play at all? Yeah, so for more top of funnel stuff, usually the call to action is either to read another article or to sign up for our blog newsletter. So, uh, you know, pushing people to a sign up to sign up for a Zapier account or pushing people to set up a Zap doesn't make sense for all of our content. Sure. And we definitely our content does a lot for us. Like it drives conversions, it drives traffic, it helps users understand how to use the product. And we understand that no piece of content can do all three. So we try to make sure that the top of funnel stuff, that's best apps, productivity articles, that we're pushing them to do the right action after they read it. I love this. I lo- and I, the, particularly why I like it a lot is because, first of all, those are huge numbers. And like you said, you weren't, you weren't doing a lot in terms of trying to influence signups and activations from content before that. So the 400% year on year, it's still impressive. But when you see something like that, you're like, oh, that's going to take a huge innovation Right. Like we we have to do something huge. But what you did was, I mean, it it was innovative, but it was a relatively small change. Right. You're introducing I mean, you're building these templates. That's a big that's I'm sure that's a big engineering task. But in terms of actually just embedding those into a blog post, um, it's 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 a really simple and seemingly like an obvious optimization tactic. Right. And you're preloading these automation templates. And you're writing blog posts that will align with these and you're giving people an an opportunity to just click them and set them up with basically as little effort as possible. And it aligns with your company's mission, right? To make automation as easy as possible. Um, So that's, yeah, this, I I love this whole, this whole tactic and, and, and the numbers too, 400% growth year on year. That's, I mean, there's gotta be a lot of happy people uh, on your team and throughout the world <laughs> due to those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think we were expecting to see um, a lot of page views to it, but you know, we, we really just doubled our page views in the last um, to, to this type of content in the last year as well. And so it's, it's an area where we're excited to invest even more. Right. I'm sure this is great. Uh, and how, like how frequently do you publish these articles? So we publish at least once a week, once um, a week. sometimes depending on depending on whether people are out on vacation and what the you know, what our backlog looks like. Sometimes it's up to three times a week. And is it mostly like are you getting your ideas mostly from hearing from customers or is it strictly keyword data? You're looking up things with high search volume, uh, your most your most popular Zapier integrations. Like how do you how are you prioritizing like which ones to write next? We always look at search um, just because we do want people to discover this sort of stuff. So we do look at that. We look at common questions from our support team. We also have a Zapier community as well as like our social channels. And we look at any kind of recurring themes that are happening there. And then, of course, we look at strategically for us, like what are the really um, high value use cases from from people that use Zapier and, you know, where 
where do where do we have gaps in our content where we maybe haven't taken the time to explain how to do something and then we'll we'll try to fill it in there right that makes sense this is great steph thank you so much for coming on and sharing this um you have my mind going now i'm sure many listeners as well um like i said to anybody listening we're gonna include links to the blog post that steph shared as examples for inspiration um but really really great case study here on you know how to improve sort of bottom of funnel metrics using content using your blog right seemingly something everyone thinks assumes is top of funnel so thank you for coming on and sharing this it was great to have you on thanks so much i had a lot of fun today Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.